0: Listen to insights on how conversational messaging is changing the way businesses and their customers engage. Join Gupshup CEO Berud and VP for Marketing Shrini and an array of guests for conversations about conversations. This is the Gupshup Conversational Messaging Podcast.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Conversational Messaging Podcast. In today's episode, we spoke to Vitasta Cole who's the Director of Brand Marketing at Credar and Srinivas Raghavan, who's the VP of Marketing at GupShop. And in this conversation, Vitasta walks us through exactly how to integrate the offline to the online customer experience in the most seamless way possible. Vitasta walked us through exactly how Credar uses technology to link the in-store purchase experience to their online customer personas this allows them to have a great understanding of how to best treat their customers. This is an extremely insightful episode that draws from a lot of tangible examples. So without further ado, here's our conversation. So Vitasta, as with all of these conversations, we really like to start by giving our audience context into what our guest's company does. So If you could start by letting us know a little bit about what Credar does and also touch on some of the major marketing hesitations that you have to overcome in your customer personas' minds.
2: All right. So Credar is a company that operates in the used two-wheeler space. We are the largest and the fastest growing used two-wheeler company in India. We operate in different kinds of markets, primarily the metros. And there are certain tier two, tier three, and also tier four markets in which we operate. Two-wheeler, as you know, in India is a very common mode of transportation. And every Indian household usually has at least one two-wheeler. So if you look at it in terms of the total addressable market, we're pretty much speaking to every Indian who's commuting. And um, in terms of marketing hesitancies, there are two or three. The primary one being that the audience spectrum is so wide and every segment of audience has different motivations and different reasons as to why they would want to buy a two-wheeler. The reason for the use of that two-wheeler in their lives is very unique and very personalized. So the great challenge for us is addressing these different uh, segments of audience within different kinds of geographical setups. People in the metros respond differently to technology and communication. People in Tier 2 and Tier 3 cities, let's say they're constantly aspiring to be better or they want better lives than they already have. And the Tier 3 and Tier 4 cities are still very untouched in terms of technology and communication. So the challenge really becomes for us to identify the right channels to reach these people individually. Understand what their motivations are and to be able to speak to them in their language.
1: So, this is going to be a pretty broad follow up question, but take it whichever way you'd like. And so, you said it's a huge challenge to understand their motivations and why different customers in different subsites of India's demographic would come to CredR. Could you ex- expand upon two things? One, how do you figure out those motivations? And two, how do you actually map the two is, could you walk us through a few customer journeys that you figured out from figuring out their motivations?
2: I'll briefly take you through the customer journey and then I'll correlate it to a case study of an actual customer. So the customer, if they're looking to purchase a bike from Credar, there are two or three ways in which they would discover us, either online or offline because we have a presence with our own showrooms. And the third way that they could discover us is through a referral. These are the only three ways currently that they can really discover Kredat. Once they've done that, what essentially happens is they would come, a test ride a product, which is essentially a used O-wheeler, make an agreement to buy it, buy it. All of our bikes come with a certain uh, set of value-added features. Like there's a free six-month warranty on the engine and gearbox. There is a seven-day protect. Because it's a used two-wheeler in the first seven days, there are bound to be certain glitches, which we fix for the customer free of cost. And the third thing that we give the customer is an assured 12-month buyback, which means that if he's bought a bike today, within the next 12 months, if he needs to make a sale, he can come back to Creda when we'll give him an assured value, which we commit to him at the time that he buys the two-wheeler. So this is the general customer journey. The customer journey ends if he wishes to sell the bike back to us And then he's completely out of the system. Then we're not going to be transacting with him anymore. But from the point that he buys the bike to the post-sales, the post-sales follow-ups, and let's say he wishes to sell, that's the complete circle for the customer. To give you one example, I remember we were doing an event in uh, Bangalore in one of the colleges. And this event was not a commercial or a promotional event at all. We were actually speaking at one of these uh, renowned MBA colleges And uh, I remember a a certain uh, student came up to us and told us that he's from a small town and basically uh, somebody sponsored him to sort of come here and do the MBA because he was a really good student all along. And uh, because he comes from a humble and a modest background, he was not able to, when he came to Bangalore, he had to pick up a PG accommodation in a location which was a little remote because he couldn't afford the PG accommodations in the place surrounding his college. And the commute was making it a nightmare for him because they had lectures from 7.30 or 8am in the morning and sometimes they would have to stay back in college for assignments and stuff till about 8 or 9 in the night and then the guy had to commute back home and he said that it was really becoming a challenge for him and because he was a student he was not even able to avail a two-wheeler loan, let alone buying a two-wheeler with hard cash he obviously didn't have the money and he couldn't avail a loan so we spoke to him we understood his problem and we have certain two-wheeler loan partners who give loans to people basis their profile so what we essentially did was we gave him a three-month internship on a live project with us so that he could show that he had a steady income and uh, using that we allowed him to fulfill the eligibility for the loan and then we let him buy the bike and then he was obviously using the bike to commute to college and back. I'm talking about that level of personalization, or the problem statements are so unique that it becomes really, really difficult for us to augment it down to that level or go down to that level of granularity and understand like, what is this guy's problem in life and how can I solve his problem. So this is just one case study. I'm sure there are multiple such case studies because we keep speaking to customers. I think I mentioned this to you previously also once when we spoke that we constantly speak to our customers after we've made the sale just to understand why they bought from us or what was it that was the final trigger for them. And we get a lot of interesting stories when we speak to them.
1: Thank you so much for sharing that. That is such an awesome story, Vitasta. And it's really great to see the kind of personalization that your team is doing. Srinivas, I, I want to come to you here and speak about this particular problem statement where there are so many unique reasons why somebody would want to buy from a company like Credar. How does the marketing team go about even thinking about how to plan all of this in terms of their messaging and the ways that they're going to personalize and the way they're going to communicate in two-way conversations? How do they even start with that planning phase? No, I
0: think it's a difficult uh... Reality, Because given that we work with so many B2C companies, the consumer landscape in India is so diverse with uh, not just the urban population, but people who live in the tier two, tier three cities and even those that sort of migrate to the urban centers. So there's a lot of complexity in the demographic landscape out there. I think the first step that we see a lot of companies do is obviously they spend a lot of time in researching their personas. And as Vitasta was mentioning, I think there's no substitute to really going in via interviews, primary research, understanding buyer personas, understanding their motivations, learning as much about them as possible. But where all of that really can be used at scale is only by the use of digital technologies. And of course, in the past, a lot of B2C companies used Websites and apps, mobile apps, to bring in that personalization. But now, what we are seeing as a major trend is one common factor across any demographic that you will find is the usage of messaging apps like WhatsApp. So it, it's quite uh, ubiquitous that anybody with a reasonably priced smartphone today has access to WhatsApp in across languages, and they're, they're finding new and innovative ways to use it also, uh, which is a very Indian innovation mindset. You give us a product, we'll find five new ways of using it. So a lot of companies are leveraging these types of channels to have these two-way conversations at scale. And the way it all comes together really is a solid customer data platform in the back end where a lot of this information, this enrichment of consumer information is present. And then you create an omni-channel engagement strategy. You have your website, you have your app, but you also try and get consumers to have two way conversations with you, typically on messaging apps. And it, it sort of lends itself to the kind of business that CredR is in because when you're either selling a used bike or you're trying to buy something, it's typically a space where there are lots of questions that you have, where there is a certain level of apprehension when you're selling that am I getting the right kind of price? And when you're buying, you want to be sure that you're buying a, a product that is, even though it's used, that it has the right level of quality and, you know, everything is intact. The papers are okay. So this kind of a business is ideal for designing these two-way conversations at scale. And we see the same in other industries as well. Like Arman and I, for example, we've spoken to a lot of people in healthcare where there's ample scope for two-way conversations there. Or you speak to somebody even in Fashion, for example, where people want to understand whether certain materials are being used, they're a little bit more conscious, they have questions about their fit and size. So, today, most of our customer engagement, we believe, is being driven by conversation. So, long story long, I think that's really how businesses are sort of reinventing the consumer engagement.
1: Yeah, and I think that's especially uh, relevant to Vitasta and Credor because. Vitasta, I noticed that WhatsApp is actually the primary chatbot that, that your team uses at, at CredR. Could you expand a little bit off of what Srinivas was saying and speak about the different touch points and, and different ways that customers actually come to you, real-life examples of ways customers actually come to you uh, and, and actually ask you different questions that maybe you wouldn't have even expected. If you could just touch on that communication and how you're optimizing that communication, that'd be awesome.
2: You're referring to the different kinds of questions that people have before they want to transact with Credar?
1: Yeah, b- either before or even throughout the journey.
2: Okay, this is going to be really entertaining. <laughs> so we already have a chatbot on the website. We do not have a WhatsApp business account because uh, every showroom that we operate has their own unique phone number. And the sales personnel or the store manager there is the one that operates The WhatsApp there. But having said that, on the website chatbot and even on some of our social media community pages, we receive really humorous questions. Just to give you a few examples is the number numerologically accurate? Or can you repaint this from black to red because black is inauspicious according to our culture? So these are the funny ones, but obviously the more pertinent questions that people ask us is obviously about the price, the mileage, the kind of services that they will get, if there are any discount schemes or any offers that we are running Those are the more pertinent questions that customers were intentional about transacting will ask. And a lot of these questions are already built into the website chatbot. But yes, we face a lot of problem when it comes to the WhatsApp messaging because there's a human intervention there and there's a person who's actually managing uh, the WhatsApp at the various showrooms. And uh, how he speaks and what mood he is in on that particular day and how he responds to the customer becomes very subjective. And that's something that we're not able to regulate or that's something that we're not able to drive any machine learning or any sort of data from because that conversation is never captured for learning per se. So yes, there's definitely a gap on that front. Whatever happens in terms of uh, conversations uh, digitally, that's on our website or on the application. So yeah, whatever is happening in the digital space, which is either our website or the mobile application, those conversations are captured and those keywords or those terms are definitely used to learn and build the conversations better, the responses better. But whatever happens offline, it's very difficult for us to capture that for learning.
1: So I, I just want to ask you, Srinivas, here, because that, that's a really interesting point of the connection between the human involved in the process and the automation involved at in this. And in Kredar's case, there's several showrooms and they need to have and the the output of their conversations is so dependent on a human's success or, or human's mindset, just like uh Vitassa was saying in that current moment. In that, how do you how do you feel? And, and in your experience working with different customers, how do you consult of them to find the perfect balance between the opening communications being either automated or the opening conversations being by a human and then finding the perfect balance to be able to make sure you can do this these two-way conversations actually at scale and, and help as many people as possible?
0: Yeah, I think one of the things to remember in omni-channel engagement is that one of the channels could actually be the physical or traditional channel where someone is having a face-to-face conversations. And we do face this with a lot of industries like banks, for example. Branches haven't gone away or other automotive dealerships and manufacturers, pharma companies, fashion stores, retail stores. Most of them have physical stores. So what we do is that we treat the physical surfaces as One of the starting points of digital conversations, when we model these customer journeys, we look at the website and mobile app and even a WhatsApp as, let's say, a starting point. One of the starting points is your own shop or your own branch. What we do is that we make physical surfaces conversational. So if it's a bike showroom and you have a lot of inventory displayed, what we do is that we make sure that each of those physical products are scannable where there's a QR code and the QR code then indicates a little bit more about that product instead of having a person talking to you through everything. So imagine having a used bike salesperson for everyone who walks into your store. Only difference is that it's a kind of a digital avatar and not the physical person. So that's one thing that's similar to things that we've done for other companies. And the other aspect that we enable is a lot of the self-service user journeys that you can actually start when you walk into a, a store itself. Like you don't have to wait. Let's say the salespeople at the store are busy with other customers or they've gone out for a break. You don't have to stand there and wait. So we sort of create kiosks where with a QR code, they can actually start conversing with the brand and start sharing their inputs. And all of these places, they're all tagged. So you know exactly which conversation is starting where these are some ways in which we sort of make physical conversation digital and becomes part of the digital record for you to then parse and gain more insight about that customer. And uh, one of the things that we are going to sort of implement are uh, digital avatars where you have, we recently acquired this company called Active.ai a couple of days ago. And what they do, especially for banks, is that they create these digital avatars who's like a Customer service or a wealth manager who's basically a visual bot that you can actually talk to and respond to your voice and sort of responds back in a programmed manner. So these are some ways in which you make physical sort of showrooms and surfaces smarter and then capture what exactly is the intent and what they're trying to say.
1: And Vitasta, that's super helpful because I, I think Vitasta, your team does something similar with the offline to online in-store interaction right I, I remember you speaking about the the customer surveys that your team does in in showrooms so could you expand a little bit about how your team is also bridging that gap between online offline to online
2: yes post the conclusion of every sale or a transaction or even a normal customer visit if he does not wish to transact it's absolutely fine there are multiple surfaces in the showrooms with scannable qr codes and uh, these QR codes essentially lead you to a review page. And like I mentioned to you previously as well, we have a one-touch review mechanism in every showroom. So a consumer, without the interference of or any influence from the salesperson, can just quietly go to a corner, just scan the QR code. If they're not happy, they can write to us. If they're happy, they can write about us. That's already there, but that's more from a Post-sale or a post-transaction point of view before the sale actually happens. So there is already a synchronization between what happens on the website and what's happening at the showroom because the inventory which is in the showroom is already mapped in terms of pricing, quality, whatever parameters on the website. So there's already an interactive tab or a monitor that's there at the showroom where a consumer can just browse the bikes that are there in the showroom and decide which ones he wants to test ride. So even if a salesperson is busy momentarily and catering to another customer, this customer can look at the tab and just earmark the bikes that he or she want to test ride when it's their turn. To interact with the salesperson. And that kind of reduces the dependency on human beings. Also, there's a layer of transparency that we're trying to create because the prices which are listed online are the prices that you will be quoted when you walk into the showroom. So it's not like the sales executive will scan you and be like, oh, he's wearing nice clothes. So let me just mark the bike up by about two or three thousand. And this guy doesn't look that well off. So I'm just going to give him a discount and close the sale. The pricing is uniform and everyone who walks into the showroom will be quoted the same price. So that synchronization we try to maintain because we are operating in an omnichannel business. And it's important that the expectations that the customer has at the time of making the discovery online, those expectations and promises are fulfilled and met when they walk into the showroom offline as well. That we try to maintain, and we try to do the entire review and customer feedback process digitally without the interference of the sales executive.
1: And uh, I just want to ask you one one follow up question here, Vitasta. How are you using that information that you're getting well, throughout the journey? Right, the information that you're getting while the the customers in interacting on an offline basis w- with your brand, and the the questions that are being asked, and and even the, the post uh, mm-hmm. sale customer responses. Mm-hmm. How are you using that information to to improve the general customer experience?
2: Okay. In two or three ways, the customer feedback or the customer review gives us visibility on two factors. One is obviously whether the showroom is uh, performing in an optimum manner or not. Like if there is a manpower issue, we take feedback very seriously, especially when there is something written about the manpower at the showroom that I wasn't spoken to politely, or I wasn't paid attention to, or I had to wait for a really long time. So those kind of things we take very seriously. And uh, we try to train our staff better, or we try to get them appropriate uh, conditioning or counseling to be able to manage those customer expectations better. We also do ghost audits and stuff on our own from time to time to understand whether the feedback that came was genuine or not. If this is a common occurrence and it's being faced by everyone or if this was just a one-off experience by a customer so it definitely gives us a visibility on the store's health and whether the store is performing optimally or not that's number one number two when we get customer feedback sometimes we get customer feedback immediately after making a sale and then there are some customers who actually ask us for time and say that please give us a few weeks we want to use the product and then we want to come back and give you feedback So the customers who actually take their time to experience the product and then they give us feedback, that feedback becomes really critical and it's really like gold for us because the kind of issues that they face, let's say somebody talks about the fact that my paper transfer is taking too long, or I'm not happy with the quality of bike, there have been too many breakdowns, even though you've sold me a refurbished bike, or my first servicing was due after 90 days, but I haven't received a call from your customer care team. Just a few examples. So that also gives us visibility to which function in the organization is contributing to maximum issues or maximum customer complaints. So there's a separate department in the company which actually manages customer experience and customer complaints. And uh, there's an actual dashboard that will show you. Obviously, there are these keywords that they identify and stuff. So they understand which department or which which function is contributing to maximum complaints. And when we try to do a review and an RCA to understand what the issues are, why the percentage of complaints are so high, not only does it give us visibility to all the customer facing aspects like the showroom or the quality of the bike and those kind of things, it also helps us to reflect internally and see whether certain functions are doing their job properly or not. So definitely these are the two things. And when we do our customer calls, the surveys that we do with customers post-transaction, those essentially gives us an insight into what their motivations are. That helps us to then fine-tune our communication. That helps us to fine-tune our offerings. That helps us to fine-tune our pricing also in some cases. So these are the two or three aspects.
1: Thanks for sharing that, Vithasta. That's really helpful. Srinivas, I want to end the conversation with one question, and it goes off exactly what Vitassa was talking about, of how they've created this transparent feedback loop within the company to consistently get data to improve on all of their processes. Could you expand on the importance of creating this feedback loop and possibly touch on some of the challenges that, that customers face while doing this and, and some of the solutions to get over those challenges?
0: It's all important, the importance of capturing data at various touch points and then creating a sort of a, a data track or a footprint of the customer. And I think a couple of things that that was mentioning was interesting because this whole transition from whenever a consumer sort of moves from one medium to another in, in the way they interact with the brand is where there's maximum potential for breakage in the flow. And breakage in the sense context is lost. So somebody who's browsing on the website, who's sort of registered on the website, who wants to go to see the bike at the nearest showroom, the person who meets them there needs to have all the context about that person. Or vice versa, somebody who's gone to a showroom and then has been told to go onto the website to complete some documentation upload a transaction how to make sure that entire physical and the digital trail is maintained. I think that's one of the most important things. And I think what we've seen a lot of companies do is cleverly use things like QR codes where you can download a QR code on your phone if you're interacting with the website when you go to the store, somebody scans it and they get the entire context of what you've done on the website so that they can have a richer conversation with you. And if your starting point is a physical store and then maybe a code or a voucher which you enter on the website will again take you to the point where you need to get started. So that's one way to do it. The other way to do it is to capture this particular customer journey that Patasta was mentioning is very interesting because there are a lot of touch points even after the sale is done because you're constantly checking in, you're trying to talk to them about the service and the package and things like that. So I think customer support is one of the early movers in adopting conversational technology, and then marketing jumped in and now commerce as a lifecycle step has jumped in. Today you have pre-purchase, purchase, purchase, post-purchase, all happening via conversational technology. So the way to do it is each of these even chatbot interactions today can be parsed and uh, analytics can be derived from the questions that consumers are asking. And that becomes another source of feedback data that the brand can use to figure out whether are we really serving this consumer's needs or do we need to do something more to sort of help.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. I I completely agree in in optimizing those particular touch points would be super helpful for any company to make sure they're progressing. I think we have everything to produce an awesome podcast. I just want to come to you, Vitasta. Is there any last messages that you want to add on conversational messaging and two-way conversations before we wrap up?
2: No, I think Srinivas has very beautifully summarized uh, most of it. The one sentence that I really liked was that how customer support was the first one to sort of pick on this and then marketing came in and now commerce is coming in. See, people need to understand and realize that technology is not their enemy and not adopting uh, technology is just pushing you back by so many years because everyone has a smartphone now and people are so much more accessible. I don't think there's a single hour during the day where I'm not on my phone and I assume that's true for 90% of people in India. So yeah. it becomes so critical to be present or to be present on those mediums where consumers are actually spending most of their time rather than relying on legacy media like television or newspapers or radio. That is so outdated. And most people I know of our age or you know, younger than us, they're not even listening to communication or conversations on those platforms. So I think most brands really need to sort of pull up their socks and they need to get this straight that if they're not adopting technology, they're just falling back in the race.
1: Completely agree. I think that's a perfect place for us to wrap up. Vitasta and Srinivas, it's a pleasure as as always. Really appreciate the time. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Conversational Messaging Podcast by GupShop. If you liked that conversation and want more of that, make sure to subscribe and tune in every single week to listen to insights on how conversational messaging is changing the way businesses and their customers engage. Thanks again, and we will see you in the next episode.